You're listening to C103's Cork Today podcast. Phone and text lines are currently closed. As we welcome you along to the programme, can I just mention, and thanks to John Paul for putting this up on the screen in front of me, something that I didn't get to yesterday and I really did want to uh, mention it because it was a listener who had contacted us uh, over Christmas when we were off and then she was told to contact us when we came back on after Christmas and in fairness uh, she did. And it's to do with an issue of uh, St. Gubna's Graveyard in uh, Mallow. And the listener writes, I'm wondering if you could highlight an issue on the radio, please. The St. Gubna's Graveyard is closed every Sunday and every holy day by the council and it can be only accessed by foot on those days not by car the main gates are locked but since a few days before Christmas the gate has now started to close at random times when it's not meant to close until 4 o'clock in the afternoon there's been times when the gate was closed before 2 o'clock in the day now Christmas is a time for remembrance and my grandmother was devastated when she wasn't able to go down to visit the graves of her loved ones before Christmas because she wouldn't have been able to walk down to the bottom of the graveyard where our family plots are. She wasn't the only disappointed person because the day I went there was others waiting in the car. Now I understand that the gates can't be opened 24-7 but surely they should at least stick to the opening times on the uh, gate. Now we will get on uh, to, that's from Meg, thank you Meg. Um, We got on to uh, Cork County Council yesterday when that WhatsApp came into us and they say St. Gubbins Cemetery main gates are open Monday to Friday except for public holidays from 8.30 to 4 in line with the working hours of the cemetery caretaker employed by Cork County Council. Pedestrian access including wheelchair access to the cemetery is permitted at all times via the two pedestrian gates. Uh, Vehicular access car access through the main gates is restricted to working hours only for security purposes. Yeah and we knew all that but that is not answering the point that Meg has made in her WhatsApp to us in that she says and understands that the gates have to be closed certain time of every day but stick with that so that people know between half eight and four o'clock the cemetery gates will be open for those people who need to drive into the cemetery in order to access their loved one's graves. But Meg is making the point that it is randomly closing. She gave the example that the day they went before Christmas, it was at two o'clock the gates had been closed. And the day she went with her grandmother, the gates were locked and she wasn't able. So she had to bring the flowers that her grandmother wanted to put on the grave. So I'm going to have to get John Paul to get back on again to try to find out why is it randomly closing. And there doesn't seem to be any rhyme or reason as to what days it's closing early. But it's certainly, according to Meg, is not remaining open until 4pm. So we'll get back on to Cork County Council again for you, Meg. But thank you for your WhatsApp to 86 And actually, just staying with Cork County Council, they've been on to us this morning. This was to do with, um, it's very sad to hear that there was yet another fatal collision on our roads yesterday. And this time... It was uh, in uh, across the border in Kerry, uh, just outside Glen Flesk and Cork County Council have been on to say that the N22 Killarney to Cork Road is going to be closed on the Killarney side of Glen Flesk until at least midday today. So there will be, obviously be, there's diversions uh, in place, but if you need to travel on that road, the best thing is to wait until after 12 uh, midday. But it was really sad to hear of that woman, may she rest in peace, who died in that car accident yesterday. She's described as being in her 50s. 
She's understood to be a local woman. She's understood to be a mother. But of course, when I heard about her death yesterday, uh, she was the fourth fatality on our roads. And yesterday was the 4th of January. So the 4th of January and the fourth person to die on uh, our roads. And we've been talking since we've come back after Christmas. We've been talking a lot about road safety on uh, the programme. So it was also so disappointing to uh, read in the papers this morning that one person an hour was found to have been intoxicated behind the wheel of a car during Angarda Siakona's Christmas Road Safety Campaign. Now, the Angarda Siakona Christmas Road Safety Campaign, that began on the 1st of December and it ran up until 7 o'clock yesterday morning. And in that period of uh, time, just a little over a month, they saw 818 arrests for driving under the influence. Now, when you break down the 818, 206, which is about 25%, were driving under the influence of drugs. So 75% of those uh, arrested for driving under the influence uh, had alcohol in their system. And Garda Chief Superintendent Jane Humphreys, she's responsible for road safety. She was speaking at a press conference briefing in Dublin yesterday and she said, and I quote, it is beyond belief that people thought it was still acceptable to drive under the influence. As she said, it is the biggest contributory factor to road deaths alongside inappropriate uh, speed. And of course, the reason we've been talking so much about road safety on the programme uh, this week is we were reflecting on the number of road deaths last year in 2023 when 184 lives were lost. And that was the highest number since the 192 that died on our roads in 2014. And the 184 is a 19% increase on the 2022 uh, figures. And Chief Superintendent Jane Humphreys described last year's statistics as dreadful. And she said they could only, it'll only be tackled by better road design better engineering and education. Chief Superintendent Humphreys said there's been a noticeable upward trend in terms of road deaths across Europe and that's since the end of the COVID-19 pandemic. But she said at this stage, the causes of that are as yet unknown. So it's not just here in Ireland that we're starting to see an increase in people killed on our roads. It's been reflected right across uh, Europe. And during that 34-day period of the Christmas Road Safety Campaign, there was 15,542 speeding offences just over a thousand offences for the illegal use of mobile phones while driving. And would you believe 291 people in that 31 day period were fined for not wearing their seatbelt. It's just the seatbelt one I am scratching my head with because I, I take it certainly on my car. If everyone doesn't buckle up, you get the most annoying beeping sound, which I'm assuming is in most cars now or some people managing to deactivate that annoying alarm uh, that goes off. But you would think at this stage you sit into the car and the first thing you do is pop on your uh, seatbelt. But it's the figures on the drink driving and the drunk driving, I think, are absolutely uh, shocking that people still think it's OK to drive either after ingesting drugs or having uh, some uh, drinks. I really thought drink driving 
I thought it was gone. I really thought it was a thing of the past, but certainly not reflected in those figures. And that's just from the Christmas road safety campaign of that 34 day period. Kitty in Bandon, when I uh, mentioned uh, about the road fatalities and the number of people that were caught drink driving on our roads over Christmas and the second highest number of penalty points handed out were for people who were illegally using their mobile phones while driving. Over a thousand people were caught just in that 34 day period. Uh, Kitty says keep when you're out and about driving watch people who are on their phones while driving. Uh, Kitty was driving in Cork City just yesterday evening and she said this young girl overtook Kitty and and another driver ahead of Kitty and Kitty noticed that the girl was on her phone at the same time. So Kitty is suggesting what the powers that be need to do is concentrate on this mobile phone use while driving. Concentrate on that rather than speed. After she overtook the driver in front of me pulled in and Kitty said when she passed the driver in front the man had literally pulled him and he had his head in his hand. She reckoned he was so shocked by this girl overtaking the speed she was doing and the fact that she was on her mobile uh, phone. Kitty said, I'm not sure if changing speed limits are going to change anything. I do feel maybe more, more education is needed. And should Traffic Corps, Gardaí or the RSA go into schools, particularly during transition year? Well, there's been a call. That's been suggested countless times and, and transition year is the year that's mentioned to teach children how to drive, young people how to uh, drive, a little bit like what they do in America. Most uh, young people will leave school in America and they'll all have their driving licence. There's often been suggestion that we should introduce it here and put it in as a core subject during transition year and make sure that everybody, that they at least come out with their with their learner permit and that they know the rules on the roads, road and they know, you know, the right and the wrong uh, thing to do. But I, I don't know. I mean, I just don't know at this stage. Is it education that's needed? Because you'll see people of all ages on their mobile phones. 0818 103 103. Your thoughts uh, welcomed on what we can do. I mean, to hear about the numbers of people who are still drinking and uh, driving, that has got to be uh, an absolute shock. And of course, the highest number of penalty points that were handed out during that 34-day period was over 15,500 people who were done for uh, speeding. Does that go back to education? Getting people to simply slow down. 0818103103 and thank you to Mary Nolan in Rockchapel who has written to me uh, to say that once again Mary is collecting used postage stamps this year. Anyone that has used postage stamps you can drop them in to the post office in Newmarket. I can drop them into central stores in Canturk. Are failing all of that, you can pop them in an envelope and post them to Mary. It's Mary Nolan and her address is Rockchapel, Mallow, County Cork. Now what happens is when Mary gathers up all of the stamps, they're weighed and the money that she makes then from selling on the stamps, it's given to St Mary's Home in Myanmar and it's the Servite Sisters. I don't know if I've ever heard of the Servite Sisters. Anyway, they look after 120 girls in Myanmar and they provide them with food, shelter and uh, education. So if you have been perhaps collecting your used stamps that you might have received and your Christmas cards are, you might like to start doing it. And I know a lot of people are not getting letters anymore, but maybe for this year you might start to collect any stamps that come through the post. And if so, you can start uh, donating them to uh, Mary 
Nolan in Rock Chapel. Uh, well done to you, Mary. And Mary, by the way, wants to say a big thank you to everyone who, who donated stamps to her last year in 2023. But she's planning on doing it again this year. So the post office in Newmarket are the central stores in Canturk, or you can post them to Mary Nolan Rock Chapel in Mallow. And by the way, just for uh, soccer fans, uh, tomorrow's Premier League live on c103.ie. It's taking a break. Of course, there is a number of FA Cup fixtures happening this weekend, but it does mean that Trevor Welch will be back on Saturday week. That's the 13th of January with more live commentary, interviews and reaction, all powered by Talk Sport. That's the Premier League live online back on the 13th of January with Harvey Norman, your home of the big screen. And you, of course, can listen on the C103 app or you go to c103.ie. Now, yesterday I mentioned that nearly half of the 1.5 million vehicles given full NCT tests last year actually failed. That high failure rate has prompted independent councillor for Cavan, councillor Shane P. O'Reilly, to call for the scrapping of the current system. He says it's a money-making racket. And councillor Shane P. O'Reilly joins me this morning. Good morning to you, Shane. Well, a very good morning and good morning to all your listeners. And you're welcome to the programme and Happy New Year to you and all the gang in Cavan. Many of them and many of them to yourself. Now, now cars at your own Cavan NCT centre, unfortunately, Shane, had the highest failure rate of the country. You you came in at 59% of your cars having failed. Have you any understanding why so many failed in your own county? Well, I would say it has definitely got to do with the age of the car and also it has to do with the um, state of the roads as well. That's a major, you know what I mean, that's it at the end of the day. If the surface that a car is travelling upon uh, is not uh, up to scratch, well then the situation is it'll not pass the test, it's as simple as that. Um, And that would be the case in a lot of the border counties. And I think if you actually look yourself, so if you look, even in your own county, if you look at the county, uh, if you look at county versus city, you'll see that the county NCT um, failures are quite significantly more than Cork City. Um, and the reason for it being is it's the general wear and tear of being yeah, on rural yeah, roads. That's yeah, it. and, it's, and, it's and I did. That. I mentioned that yesterday because steering and suspension problems yeah. uh, were one of were, were were the top reason for people failing in NCT, and that is down to badly repaired roads, isn't it? Oh, absolutely, no question about it. Yep, absolutely, no question about it. And the situation is is that you know heretofore we would get central government funding and we get this and we get that, and unfortunately it it. it I've been on more radio stations than I can tell you in the last 24 hours and, and, and I can't remember which radio station one of the one of the presenters asked me did um, did I think that the Minister Eamon Ryan uh, and the Department of Justice would you know look at this and you know put more money into the roads or whatever like that and I made a very very simple answer and I said it and I quote and I don't care who quotes me as it that Eamon Ryan is more interested in blue ways and green ways and yellow ways and whatever ways than he is about the roads and it's as simple as that because as long as there is all these amenities in the urban setting it doesn't matter about rural Ireland so uh, we don't have the same uh, I suppose access to public transport around us. You have to use your car. It's as simple as that. You have to use your car. The NCT as it is at the present time is just not fit for purpose. Um, You know, I have yet to see how the IRL on my registration plate can lead to deaths on the roads, but obviously it can because um, it obviously can in the eyes of Atlas because they've brought it in as a failure uh, on the NCT. I was talking to one lady uh, who spoke about the fact that her she failed her NCT because she had too many air fresheners on her on her winger. Ah, stop! 
<laughs> you know, um, I, had a, I had a lady this morning who I spoke to who had arrived. She had got two bags of coal. Yeah. And she'd taken them out that morning uh, and left them at the side of her shed. She drove into the NCT, but she had had the seat down. And when she put the seat back up, the you know the receiver for the seat belt wasn't there. And they failed her on that. And it was very simple. You could just put your hand in and just pull it. It'd take two seconds to do it. But unfortunately, like those situations are what are leading to the inflation of numbers. When it was introduced in the year 2000, it was introduced under five headings. Um, and the five headings now, without legislation, I might add, and this is the thing that now gets me, without legislation now, it has, um, APLUS have brought in a raft of new things regarding diagnostics, a raft of new things regarding the positioning of seats, positioning of this, positioning of that, that weren't approved under legislation. Um, and they have become part of the testing and has led now to a number uh, of people and quite a considerable, significant number of people failing their drive and te- their, uh, NCT uh, and, test. And, and are they allowed to decide themselves what is deemed necessary to pass an NCT? Well, I don't know about you, but I think if you started to change the terms of reference regarding the um, competitions and the phone-in competitions that you do on the show, I don't think it'd be too long to show public and give you a rap on the knuckles and say, hold on a minute, you're moving the goalposts. But you see, when you have a situation with Atlas and you have a situation with the Department of Transport that the minister is not on top of their brief and they don't really care, um, then you're left with a situation where it's free reign for anyone to do what they bloody like. That's unfortunately the way it is. And it's a 10-year contract, isn't it, that Atlas... And, contract, and it got yeah. signed off during COVID, if, if my memory serves me right. They it got did. renewed, and, you know, yeah. And, and I feel very sorry for the workers in the NCT because they get the raft of everything. And they are they have to just follow what's written down in front of them and they have to go by what they're told to do and they have no choice because at the end of the day, that's their job. Um, but... The amount of people that have contacted me in the last 24 hours that work in the NCDs and to tell me some absolutely harrowing stories about different things that went on would actually make you, would, would make your hair stand um, with some of the things they've been told over the last 24 hours. Okay, and, and I've been calling for this for years. Okay, but go, but, but go back. NCT was first introduced in, in 2000. It's, 2000, it's yeah. nearly 24 years now. It's hard to believe that we've been going along to NCT centres. And when it was brought in, it was to get rid of the very old cars off the road. And yesterday when I mentioned it, a listener who had been living away during the 70s, remembers coming home in the 70s and just could not get over. You know, there was binder twine um, holding cars together and, you know, uh, people using a, clo- a clothes hanger as an aerial and bits hanging off of cars and there's something needed to be done. So when it was it was introduced, it, it was correct to do it, to get those bangers Oh, absolutely. Like, I remember, I remember my mother is from County Donegal, so I'm from Cavan, so we're two and a half hours to get to Mammy's home place in Castle Finn. I was at Kitty Gordon in County Donegal. We used to play a game. We had that we had a we had an old Toyota estate and we used to play a game called Count the White Line through the floor. You know, that's the truth. <laughs> you know, that's the truth. I mean, and, and that was the way it was. Like and I'm forty two, I'm not yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah, and, yeah. and that was and absolutely was brought in to take those chilopies off the road. And, and it has it has succeeded in doing absolutely, that. Absolutely, absolutely. But what we've done is, as we always do in this country for some unbeknownst reason is that when something is working, well, do you know what we'll do? We'll extend it and we'll penalise Joe public and we'll make the driving public be going into an NCT fearing like they're bringing a child to do a leave insert or a junior cert because that's what we need to do. And it just drives me potty. I cannot for the life of me understand why 
our motoring public in this country, regardless of what happens or where it happens or how it happens, they're the first that are going to be penalised because we don't have public public transport. You must use your car. I go back to that point every single time and we have to get real. People in Ireland have been punished for the simple reason is that they're going out to work, that they're going out to do their daily chores, they're going out to do this, that and the other. They can't do it without their car. Well, we had a listener yesterday when, when I was calling out the stats on the failures and the pass rate for NCT. And one listener pointed out when we were talking about the fact that, you know, it got introduced in 2000. Very different we, we are now, 24 years later, when it comes to cars. And he was pointing out that we have longer warranties now on cars than, than we, would, we would have. And that setting that first test on a car at four years is just way too early. Some cars might be still under warranty. You know, why are we testing what are relatively new cars? Well, you see, it was never changed from 2000. That's the problem. Because no minister has actually looked at it. It has never actually been looked at since 2000. It has been exactly the same as that, apart from the little bits and bobs that have been thrown in there by the providers themselves. And also we have another issue in it as well, that during COVID we saw that there was a a backlog of I don't know how many months. That's still going on at the present time. And, uh, you know, at plus we're we're fined €3 million um, by the state. Um, I'd be very interested to see was it ever paid. Um, and that's not a scurrilous accusation. That is a simple question. Um, and uh, I do, I do feel. And then we have the other, we have the other issue that I've brought up as well. We have an NCT for our cars because your car must be roadworthy. When are we having an NCT for the road so the road is carworthy? Because. That's something that we need to look at as well. We'll have a a lot of our listeners nodding away listening to you say that, Shane, because we countless, countless times get that in uh, from people. Now, I know the department uh, will defend the NCT and they'll say, you know, defective cars can and do cause accidents. We unfortunately had a 19% increase in road fatalities last year. We've had four people already killed on our roads. In my own county, more so than... Yeah, so isn't isn't having having proper cars on the road... In my daily job, I'm a funeral director. That's what I do for a living, and I see every side of it. Um, but I also see the side of common sense. And unfortunately, in the last number of years in this country, we have seen that common sense is just not that common. OK, so you want you want abolish the current system and, uh, and reform it. Bring in something, reform it. Bring in something new. Bring in something yes. new. In fact, what is wrong with doing it? And I, 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 it nearly galls me to say it because I never use the UK as an example for anything. But if we look at the MOT and what's done, you go to your local garage, you have a two-year, you go you know, for your, for your um, service twice a year, and you get your MOT at one of them. Yeah. What's, what's, what's wrong with that? What yeah. is wrong with that? And you wouldn't we have the We're trying to encourage young people and young girls into the trades. We're trying to get them you know, back into the trades and stuff like that. Mechanics, there will always be a need for mechanics. Uh, they're the lifeblood of our country. What, what is wrong with promoting mechanics? What is wrong with trying to get that brought back to a local sense where you could go down to, to John Smith and Company down the road that you've got your car service with for the last number of years and you can go into them and they can do the MOT for you whilst you're in there getting your, 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 your six monthly service. Yep. To me, it'd make a hell of a lot more sense. Yeah, and it'd be on your doorstep. Okay, Finbar and Mallow said last year he went for his NCT. His car passed fine, but there was a number plate bulb that had actually blown. 
they weren't able to issue him with his certificate until he got it fixed. He said it was puzzling. It was just a small number plate bulb. Uh, He had to go back for a visual uh, check. Now, he didn't have to pay anything, but he still had to go back for a visual uh, check. And he said he couldn't understand why they just couldn't give him the cert and trust him to go away and fix uh, the bulb. But he said, you know, but therefore he had to make another journey to go back to the NCT centre for the visual uh, check. The inspector said nothing they could do about it. That's the way they operate. And and that can be inconvenient for people who have to take time off. But if, we, but if we go to where you have our current Minister for Transport and I go back to the blue ways and the yellow ways and the green ways and whatever ways and he's always on about, you know, your carbon emissions and getting your, yeah, your, your yeah. foot right down. Yeah. yeah, so there's there's, there's poor there's, Finbar anyway. Finbar tipped out so he did to get it done. I don't know how many miles did he go. Is there, is well, there, he was, yeah, well, there isn't a test centre in Mallow, no. He'd either had to have gone into the city or gone to Charleville so he would well, have yeah, to so let's say he went to yeah. Charleville. How many miles is that? He went down to Charleville and he had his test. He sat for an hour so he did. His car was revved and everything else. Talk about CO2 emissions. <laughs> It was brought down, it was brought out, and he was told, sorry, you left to come by. With the ball. Now, look at here. You see, this is... Bit of common sense is needed. Ah, yeah, but this is what frustrates people. Like, why? Why? It makes no sense to me. Maybe as, 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 as... As one woman said to me very recently, she said, Shane, you seem to live in a very black and white world. Well, maybe I do, but you know what? It's working for me so far, so I'll continue to do it. <laughs> I'll leave it there, Shane. Listen, pleasure talking to you. Thank you and for you, that. And Thanks you. for joining us. Uh, bye-bye. 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 That is Independent Councillor in Cavan, Councillor Shane P. O'Reilly, 0818103103. Somebody says it's the carelessness of drivers that is causing accidents. It's nothing to do with the state of the car. And someone, age, someone else says age has nothing to do with it. It's all about profit when it comes to the NCT. What did we do before NCT? We managed, OK, well, I think everybody accepts there was a lot of bangers that we simply had to get off the road. Uh, but we've managed to do that uh, in the early years of the NCT. But it's as Shane is saying, it's what's happened since. Let's stay on the topic of motoring uh, this morning, because a recent survey shows that a quarter of Irish adults believe we should abolish the need for a medical report for drivers over the age of 75. Paul Walsh is CEO of People Insurance and they carried out the survey and Paul joins me this morning. Good morning to you, Paul. Good morning, Patricia. Great to be with you. And Happy New Year to you. And to you. Now, firstly, there was a change to medical reports for older people, wasn't there? It was It was 70 years of age. That's right, Patricia. Many listeners will know just two years ago, the age requirement in Ireland for a mandatory health check before you renewed your driver's licence went from 70 to 75. Now, interestingly, last year, this time last year, the European Commission were going to reintroduce legislation to bring that back down to 70 right across the European Union. So in the wake of that, we ran a national survey, Pair of People Insurance, along with our great credit union partners in Cork, to see what people's attitudes were to mandatory health checks on, on your driver's licence before you renewed it. And this is where it came out that 24% of people feel we should outright abolish the medical report. Well, indeed, it will. It may surprise uh, many listeners, particularly those on the road or those who have experienced some erratic road behaviour, that a solid one or four people thought, well, actually, we should get rid of this. This is ageist discrimination, they said it was, and we should abolish it altogether. However, interestingly, Patricia, half of people in Ireland thought this was perfectly fine to have a mandatory health declaration. And in Cork alone, a further one in four, a very strong quarter of people felt we should actually have it for absolutely everyone. They thought it was a good idea and a good way to improve road safety. So every time we renew our driving licence, it was certainly under the age of of 70, renew it, what is it, every 10 years. So people are saying that every 10 years you need to 
go and check your eyesight, get a, get a medical done at your GP? Absolutely. Well, in fact, for many drivers, there will be many of your listeners today who drive public service vehicles and buses and things like that. They actually have to get medical sign-offs for certain types of vehicles. But for the rest of us, we basically only have to get one thing done, believe it or not. When we're going for a provisional license, we have to get our eyesight checked. And outside of that, it's up to us to say whether there's anything wrong with us. Now, during the course of our lifetime, many of us have something that will happen. And the general feeling across the European Union was, well, we actually should actually get that checked much more often. They were bringing it down to 70. And as I said, one in four people in Ireland thought, well, every time you go for your driver's license every 10 years, you should actually have to get a doctor to sign off that you're fit to drive. Yeah, but I I can straight away hear people say that'll just become a money racket. Well, in fact, I think many people are fearful that um, it might apply to them. And indeed, as people get older, there's a fear that actually, will we lose our independence? Will, yeah. will, will we be restricted? But it may surprise you to know the older the respondents in the survey, the more they felt there was a need for a mandatory health check. Now, that was a, that was a strange surprise to us. The people who thought it was, or the people who thought this requirement was ages were particularly young people, people under the age of 25 drivers. People, when they got 55 and older, almost over half of them, and up nearly as high as two in every three, thought, this is a good idea. So it's quite interesting. That, that really is interesting, because the older, the older participants are the ones who it would be affecting the most. But precisely. Yeah. And so that's what many people listening to this morning will find rather strange. And I think it's a greater level of awareness, a higher level of awareness that there should be some level of screening that goes on. And it may not be that it imposes um, total ban or restrictions on driving, but it may be for some people who can't drive at nighttime because of their, their, their visual, uh, visual impairments um, and a range of other factors that they may look to maybe curtail or limit their driving. But definitely the need for medical checkups was something that older people felt was a good idea. Good, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And actually, just stay on older drivers, uh, Paul, from an insurance point of view. I mean, older drivers have, by the very nature of their age, they have more driving experience. Is there ever any evidence that they cause more accidents? Well, there's very strong anecdotal evidence, but there's no published data. And would not be actually really helpful to us all, Patricia? And one of the great things we are in Ireland, we're sceptical. We're a sceptical lot. And certainly when it comes to insurers. So one of the things here, people, we believe is that this data should be published. Um, if older drivers, and there's anecdotal evidence to say older drivers tend to cause the older people get the, the higher the level of incidents or road traffic accident, and indeed the higher the level of damage, our views publish the data and let's all see it. But one of the things that we do see when we're giving people insurance quotes, and for example, providing insurance, there's a general rule that we all go through three phases. Under 25, we get this thing called loading. And so the further, the younger you are away from the age of 25, you find it the bigger the loading. So when we're all going for a driver's license, or our, home, our driver's insurance, Patricia, we're asked three types of questions. Questions about you, questions about your car, and questions about how you use that car. So um, at 25 to, to 65, we're all in what's called a core market. And as people go older than that, they get loaded for almost every year beyond that. For some insurers, that's 70, 71, 72. And you tend to find insurers have a statistical model that says the further you move from that age core, the greater the level of loading they will apply. But it'd be great. We'd love to see published data on that. Yeah, because so it seems, it yeah, it, do, it does seem unfair. 
It does seem unfair, unless it can be backed up with statistical evidence that that older age group are causing more accidents. Absolutely. Now, there's many people listening today who are over the age of 70 to, to, your, to your fantastic radio show, and they will say, well, Patricia, I only use my car to go up and down to Mass every yeah, Sunday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, therefore, I'm not at risk at all, and I don't go driving late at night. And so there's very clear evidence that actually uh, there are many groups of people in the population who decide to change their driving behaviour to reduce the cost of their insurance. For example, with young drivers, they use little um, technology boxes called telematics, and that's how they bring down the cost of insurance. But today in Ireland, there's no special incentives for people who get older and use the car less for them to benefit from those discounts. Yeah, which is, like which is a real pity. And, and I guarantee you there'll be people listening, or there'll be people listening whose parents or grandparents are over the age of 70, and they will tell you they have never had an accident in all of their driving life. Oh, we had a young, we had a, a young gentleman only ninety years of age <laughs> about a week ago coming on looking for insurance, and um, and again his very point was uh, when we asked him had he more than nine years no claims discount. <laughs> the young gentleman told us he had a lot more than that. <laughs> good on him, uh, good on him. And uh, people are pointing out that when you do go to get your medical re- report now over the age of seventy five, there is a cost involved. Even if you have a medical card, you do have to pay for that at the GP. So there is a cost involved, and that. EU suggestion um, that got that got ruled out, didn't it? And that because of it was ageist and and discriminatory. It was indeed. In fact, only less than a month ago, back in December, uh, with pressure from the member states, the European Commission have shelved the idea totally, and they're saying that's really a decision now for member states to decide for themselves. It was deemed uh, by many. Uh, giving uh, submissions to the Commission that it was ageist and discriminatory. Okay. All right, listen, uh, a good uh, survey. Well done on it, Paul. And thank you for joining us on the programme this morning. Thank you, Patricia. Good morning to you. That is uh, Paul Walsh, who is CEO of People Insurance. Mm-hmm. A lot of calls, I have to say, coming in about the NCT uh, with our chat with that councillor, independent councillor from uh, Cavan. Um, and then, obviously, we also reflected, we stayed on the motoring uh, topic by looking at uh, this report that's out of the survey that is out looking at the tests that older people must go through when you're over the age of 70. You have to have a medical uh, report um, in order to get your driving licence. And of course, uh, without your driving licence, you can't get your uh, insurance. Somebody, though, is making the point that reality check here, please, health deteriorates with age. So those health checks are absolutely necessary. But someone else says, I would scrap the medical reports completely. I would take them away from doctors and then I would make all drivers do a full driving evaluation every time your licence came up for renewal, which for people under the age of 75 is every 10 years. This listener said there would be a a full, a driving evaluation. So a little bit like another test, I take it, is what you are uh, suggesting. But just on the topic of insurance and declaring to insurers um, the truth when you're filling in your insurance form. Eleanor has a story on that. Uh, Good morning to Eleanor. Good morning, Patricia. Hey, no, How are you? I'm very well, uh, thank you, and Happy New Year to you. Happy and, New Year to you. And too. thank you for contacting us. This is this is a good point. This is to do with the insurance companies need exactly, to look at yes. who they insure. Tell us what happened. Um, it's over 30 years ago now, uh, Patricia. Uh, my late husband was killed in an accident, um, and the person who had driving the car was under the influence, I was led to believe, and... Um, 
He had an insurance disc on his car. And when it was investigated, no, it was a hit and run, but he did hand himself in and done the right thing, I suppose, as we call it. And everything was sorted out. But when it came to the compensation side of it, uh, is the only way I can uh, say it, um, there was a big issue because even though he had an insurance disc on the car, the car was not properly insured. So I had to go to the Murato Bureau Insurance of Ireland. So basically the taxpayer had to pay out um, because he had given incorrect information. False declaration. False declaration. And everybody who's looking for a quote, which I was doing yesterday for house insurance, because my house insurance went up 60%, um, I was um, just saying about the the cost of it and stuff like that. And like when it goes back to the Moto Bureau Insurance, they they have to pay out the compensation if the person doesn't have it. But I'm wondering why the insurance companies can't do a check on everybody that, you know, sort of to make sure that the, the onus is left on the person uh, looking for the quote and all the rest of it. Um, no, yeah, they because like they ask you the question, do you have penalty points? And if exactly. you if you tick no, uh, and you do have penalty points, the insurance well, companies believe, they they don't check that, do they? They don't. I believe they can check it. Okay, okay. I believe they can check that part of it, but like it's the insurance side of it is more important. Yeah, in, in my own opinion, like if you went in for a quote now tomorrow morning, and. In the case of this particular person, they had a previous conviction. I don't know who the insurance company were, but they must have given it to him without asking any more relevant questions of what were on whatever way he. Uh, and he uh, and obviously he didn't declare that he had had a previous conviction, yes, and yes, that yes. then deemed his insurance null and void in when the insurance null com- and void. Yeah, and yeah. I mean with all the accidents and all the rest of the people that have been unfortunately killed in the last 12 months. I'm sure there are probably more people than that particular person. So I think it would be a good idea if some of the insurance companies wouldn't give it out so nilly-willy mm. and make, um, you know, if they can do it with penalty points, surely they can have some way of um, combining with the court systems or whatever. And particularly, systems. particularly serious convictions. And, you know, there might have been a conviction for drunk driving. There might have been... Condi- I think that's what it was, was in our it? case. Wow, yeah. and 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 it was the same when when they actually killed the person. And I mean, as you mentioned earlier on as well, the amount of uh, convictions for that particular penalty over the Christmas period and yeah. all the rest of it, and the speeding and everything else. Now, it was a dark winter's evening, but I mean that is irrelevant in relation to what we're saying. But and uh, Eleanor, was was your husband was he was he killed instantly? As far as I know, Patricia. That's what I was told when the post mortem came out. Was he a protect? Was he walking or was he? He in was a- on a bicycle, a push bicycle. Oh, and it was a hit and run. The guy drove off. Yeah. And, and it was you- only an, uh, it's only a lady who was passing along the, the road. Uh, they have confessions here on the last Sunday or Monday of before Christmas, and she was heading for a confession and like. He was a regular cyclist on the road. He was killed on, and she used to see him on a regular basis. And he was from that area stuff as well. And um, like, she just just saw the bicycle, and it, it came about like that. That's 
all I can remember of it, Patricia, you know. Thir- and it's 30 years ago. Over, over 30 years ago, the 20th of December. Oh, my Christmas week, Eleanor. Christmas week, yeah. Christmas week. But I mean, it's irrelevant the time of the year and I'm not pointing out my own thing, sense of loss and all that. What I'm saying is the insurance companies and the guards are shikana. Like if you if you were speeding up the road, they can take a picture of your um, your number plate and you get a conviction in the door for the post. Uh, pay or whatever the, 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 the current summons is and whatever. But I mean, surely bit of God they can do that with people who are insurance and like doubly check what they're being told, uh, like not to take it so nilly willy. Don't accept, yeah, don't accept it face value because people are going to lie in order to get a and cheaper. Like quote. as I said, when when I asked questions, yes, it's a different thing in relation to your house insurance. But they had valued the house more because I questioned why it was gone so expensive, and she said the rebuilding cost no. And I said, well, if I left it at last year's rebuilding cost. Uh, what would the prognosis be or the price be? Now, it was still €120 more than what it was last year. And um, she said to me, if you undervalued your home and you did have a claim, they'd come out and if, in their opinion, you undervalued your home, your your compensation payment would be reduced by 20%. Yeah, and I can't understand that on the contents. I just abs- I can understand the no, rebuilding cost. No, it was on the property yeah. as well. But it's, yeah, it is, it is, yeah, and it's on the content. So if you've undervalued yes. your house by, say, 20% and then something happens, you know, there's an accident in the house and the, and the, the television gets smashed, uh, they'll only give you, the, whatever the cost of the TV, it'll be less 20%. And I, it doesn't, that never makes any sense to me why they can do that. I understand with the building costs, if you haven't valued it enough on the building costs, but why it should tie in on the, on the contents as well. Right. Just, yeah. well, I, I mean, just don't I, understand. I think it's ridiculous even yeah. on the house itself because they were trying to say to me that my house was gone from 362,000 last year, which I again asked the questions why they devalue it at that because, like, if it was burned to the ground, we would still, I would still have the site. Yeah. Yeah, and 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 you, and, and you might wearing. you might not necessarily build as big a house if it was God exactly. forbid burned exactly. to the ground. Exactly. But yes, they don't yes. take any of that in. They don't factor any no, of that in. No, no, All no, right, no. Um, Eleanor. Listen, um, thank you for sharing your story and and and, and particularly. And um, what was your husband's name? James. 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 Uh, God be good yes. to James. Uh, and, and we think of him today. And it's important that we, we share stories as difficult as it is to share a story of, of you losing your much loved uh, husband. But just to get everybody to slow down on uh, on our roads. Well, because slow you down know, is the first thing. But I mean, you know what the heartache is like. I do. And the consequences of it long term, Patricia, they never go away from. Because, I mean, that man's family and like Fair play to him in one sense that he did hand himself and owned it up and all that sort of thing in the long run. But that gentleman's family suffered mm. uh, for a long time and he actually only passed during COVID. So, I mean, he had to carry that for 29 years as well, the fact that what he had done, you know. So it's all, um, you know, it, it, it impacts everybody. It does, it does and indeed. If it just means to... Don't drink or don't do what you're not supposed to do. But I mean, the topic really here is that I think the the Gardaí and the insurance companies and all these should have some kind of a better way of accessing a particular person's name or a particular person and just 
I suppose they won't do it in the short term, but in the long term, that there could be some way of device of Prop, yeah. people. proper Pardon? checks and balances. Proper checks proper and balances. Checks, That's yeah, what's exactly, needed. All right. Yeah, yeah. Okay. We listen. Uh, we we leave it there. Thank you for that, and uh, thanks for joining us uh, this morning. Okay, uh, God bless. God bless. That is uh, Eleanor, oh uh, eight one eight one zero three one zero three. Just a couple of your comments in on the NCT that we spoke about. Hi, Patricia. Never failed an NCT. Why? Because we get our cars serviced regularly, and we go through all the details before they're due for an NCT. It's just like going for an interview. You cross all the T's, you dot all the I's. You wouldn't go for an interview with a hem hanging down or a button missing from your shirt, would you? And that's what people need to do. Willie says, I agree 100% with everything that that County Calf, an independent uh, councillor, uh, Shane P. O'Reilly, has said on your programme this morning about the National Car Test. The NCT is a complete joke. It's a money racket. What I can't understand is why are the Gardaí doing their job, for example, when it comes to car lights and headlights. It's shocking the number of cars who are driving on the roads with defective lights. If you meet a car uh, with the passenger headlight blown, when you're coming against it, it looks like you're about to meet a motorcycle. I I was driving every day over Christmas. I was up in Tipperary. I was down in Limerick and I didn't come across one single car that checked point as for drinking and driving. When do you see a checkpoint between five and half past seven in the evening or when do you see a checkpoint if it's raining? I think the Gardaí need to step up step up, and do more checkpoints. That's from Willie. Jim says, I heard of a car failing the NCT on dog hairs on the seats of the car. And you have to have it reasonably clean, don't you? I didn't know you could fail on it. Anyway, and there was another person who failed because there was rust on the brake lines. The owner went back to his mechanic. He brushed off the dust and then sprayed it with WD-40 and said everything's perfect your brake lines and there's nothing wrong your brakes are working correctly went back to the NCT centre guess what it passed second time round says Jim Hi uh, Patricia more NCT fails means more money to be made at the NCT centre if you must go for a retest it'll cost you €28 my car was uh, was failed was prepared for the test but then it failed because of a bulb which I know was 100% working no matter how I discussed it with the NCT centre they wouldn't listen and they forced me to pay for a retest I'm surprised to hear that because if it's just a visual inspection you don't have to pay but it's if it has to go back up on the ramp um, that then they have to pay but it is €28 for a retest 0818 103 103 some of your thoughts and comments coming in this morning C103 Jobs Hickey Scaffolding, they're looking for qualified scaffolders and scaffolding labourers. It's for work in Cork and Kerry. CVs please to hickeyscaffolding at hotmail.com. The OPW National Monuments Depot in Mallow, they're looking for a storekeeper. Now it's for a fixed period from February to November of this year. Duties will include orders, general office admin, wages and record keeping. Please apply through their website www.gov.ie with the closing date the 11th of January. T&A Civil Engineers and Builders, they're looking for skilled excavator driver. It's for a media start in the Cork area. Email your CV to info at, at taplanthire.com. 
www.ballymoor.ie. And Jones Agri, they're in Bally Desmond. They've got a vacancy for a yard slash store person. A knowledge of agri or steel business would be an advantage. You email jonesagri at gmail.com. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. Court today on C103. With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. Our NCT discussion has certainly moved on to insurance with Eleanor sharing the story of her husband killed by a hit and run driver whose insurance was then null and void because he hadn't been honest about convictions that he had had when he took out that insurance policy. John is in Blarney just on the whole issue of insurance and insurance policies. Uh, good morning, John. Good morning, Patricia. Now, there's something you kind of see should be looked at as well. This Is is this fully comprehensive insurance you're yeah, talking fully about? Com- fully comprehensive insurance, which I think is a bit of a joke. Okay, because, why? You know, you're supposed to be covered for everything. Yeah. Right? Most importantly, you're supposed to be covered for um, if, you have, if you have an accident or if you have a crash uh, and, and you're supposed to be covered for the cover of a rental car, which you are if the car is repairable. But if your car is a write-off, they won't cover you. So hang on, explain that again. If, if, I, if I have, God forbid, a crash in the morning yes. and my car can be repaired, while the yes. car is being repaired, I get, I get a higher car for that duration. Correct. But if my car is a write-off and I have to buy a brand new car, yes. while I'm trying to sort out the buying of a new car, correct. they won't give me a higher car. They won't pay for a higher car, no. So I'm, I'm meant to, like, God forbid, write the car off this morning and get a new one in the afternoon, is it? I exactly. mean, how, how can you do it that quickly? You can't. You can't, but, you can't, but that's, that's what happened to me. I had a situation where my car was in a, in a hit and run, you know, and, and um, uh, because my car was a write-off, they wouldn't cover a higher car for me. And how long did it take you to sort out a new car? Well, I probably I probably started out within a fortnight or thereabouts. But you were still a fortnight without well, a car. I was, and, I, and I had to and I had to hire a car, car and pay for it yourself. Yeah, and pay for it myself. Yeah, and I don't know, know when that happened, but if you go to hire a car today, it'll cost you higher cars yeah, are going to really about expensive. Two and a half years ago. Yeah, you know? and then I had a second incident as well, Patricia. Yeah, I was I went for my usual walk down this back road, and accidentally I lost my keys. Car keys. Car keys. House keys, the whole lot on it? No, it was only the car key. Okay. Luckily enough. Right? Yeah. And again, I, I, I tried to get um, a claim on that. And they told me, unless somebody breaks into your house and steals your keys, you're not covered. <laughs> Does that make sense? I don't, no, I don't. So, <laughs> and then, of course, you can't change your mind and say, oh, sorry, someone stole my key. Yeah, exactly. you, you've been too honest in, in yeah, so, so if, yes. if you lose your key, you suffer the loss. But if somebody breaks in and steals it, then the company will, will replace we'll, it. We'll cover you for the, that. The doesn't, that doesn't make in, any sense at all. And how much, how much was it for a replacement key, by the way? Uh, €280. Oh, they're expensive, aren't they? Yeah, very expensive. Because, they're you really know, it's the fob key that has to be... Yeah. How long did you know. wait for that? Again, I was lucky that I had a second key. Yeah. You know, I was lucky that I had a second key. Um, but if I hadn't, I could be in trouble for days waiting for it. Yeah, you've, you've just reminded me. That's, that's why I have this, this yeah. gripe with, with, with this comprehensive insurance 
I mean, they tell you you're covered for everything. But like, as my son says to me, you're covered for everything, only, only, only a claim. Yeah, but don't read the small... And, the, and then they'll point, it's all in the small print. But exactly. Who sits down and reads all the small print? All right, John. OK, listen, yeah. mind yourself and don't be losing any more keys, OK? <laughs> uh, take care, take care. Right, bye-bye, bye-bye. 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 That is John in uh, Blarney with a good word of advice. Don't lose any of your car keys, uh, please. Now, let me move on to a different topic because five of the Cork City's eight sitting TDs have called for a public meeting with Ishka Aaron to discuss ongoing issues with water discoloration in parts of the city. Joining me to explain why is uh, Deputy Mick Barry of the Socialist Party. Good morning to you, Mick. Good morning to you and a happy new year, Patricia. Many happy returns to you. Now, from what you know, how long has this problem with water discoloration been going on for in Cork City? Well, I first started getting um, a significant number of complaints coming back to me um, I had heard of it before, but I mean, in terms of a real spike around about August and September of the year before last, right? Um, I had reports of uh, people trying to do the laundry and having clothes and bedsheets uh, ruined by the discoloured water. Uh, and I also had other people saying that they had read in the Echo that Irish Water were saying that there wasn't a health and safety risk uh, and that people should just let the water run clear. Um, but where people had even a smidgen of the doubt, particularly where they had young kids, um, uh, they were erring on the side of safety and uh, spending significant amounts of household money in a cost of living crisis on bottled water, right? So we banged the table and asked questions at the time and we said, what's happening here? What's gone wrong? And what we were told at that point was that um, with the uh, new uh, Lee Road uh, 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 water plant, Mm -hmm. uh, that the new management uh, had overseen uh, the introduction of um, a new chemical to the water. Instead of lime, they were using a different chemical. Uh, and that whereas that would work normally uh, reasonably well on piping systems underground, uh, they had <laughs> uh, underestimated the fact that um, uh, the piping in Cork City is uh, quite old. A lot of it would go back to the De Valera times and some of it would even go back to the times when the British were running the country more than 100 years ago. Um, and that there were uh, uh, pipes that with an accumulation of rust they're cast uh, iron. Yeah, they're cast iron, a lot of those pipes. Essentially, what happened was that the chemical uh, stripped Reacted the uh, sediment the, yeah. uh, and the rust uh, from the pipes. Uh, and that's what was the orange colour or the brown colour uh, that people saw when they turned on their taps. Now, I don't uh, think... And we're talking, lacked. by the way, just... just I'm, I'm conscious of people in, in who don't live in the areas where this water discoloration is. This is more than just a slight discoloration. You know the discoloration you get if you've got heavy rainfall and you might get a day or two. Of, this is much more than that kind of discoloration. It is. This is discoloration that if you took a pint glass uh, and you were to uh, fill the water from the bottom, fill the, the, the glass from the bottom to the top, uh, what you would not see is clear water with a streak of brown or a streak of orange. You would see uh, brown water or orange water. Murky. Or a it's, it's, of the two. I've seen pictures of it. It's, 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 and there's no way you would drink it. Absolutely not. No, 
no, there's no way you, you would drink it. And, uh, you know, a lot of people followed the advice and let the water run clear. Uh, other people didn't really have that option because the brown and the orange kept coming. And other people erred on the side of safety uh, by going to the shops and stocking up on bottled water, particularly when, when there was kids in the house, which was extremely expensive. OK, um, and we've had a new surge of this um, in the run up uh, the last couple of months of the year. Now, the, the problem didn't go away. Right? Uh, it continued uh, all uh, through the end of 2022 and all through 2023, although it probably was less uh, than it was at its peak points, okay? Because essentially, the water workers in the city um, were told to go out and to flush out uh, the pumps and the systems uh, in the areas where the most complaints were coming in from. And my understanding is about a third of all the the hours uh, of our skilled water workers were taken up with this flushing it um, out, this flushing exercise. But in some cases, the flushing fixed the problem for two or three weeks. In some case, it was longer, um, but it, it wasn't getting to uh, the root of the problem. And and then we had uh, another upsurge before Christmas. Now, what we're being told is that um, uh, water is pumped from Shanakeel up to Harbourview Road and from Harbourview Road up to the water tower in Nocknahini, uh, vast quantities of water um, and that the volume of water going through the system um, has ripped more sediment and more rust off the inside of the pipes. And we just had a big spike in emails coming in and messages coming to public reps before, uh, before the Christmas. So um, there's a point I'd like to make about this in terms of who owns and who controls and who manages the uh, water system. Can I, can I make that point? Okay, go on. Yeah, okay. So um, es essentially all of this uh, would have been uh, organised in the past um, through the public system, through the local authorities, through the councils, okay? Yeah. Um, but uh, control has increasingly been moving away from the councils into the hands of Irish Water, and Irish Water uh, have been uh, contracting out so that private operators who operate on a for-profit basis uh, and who are not as experienced in terms of the game uh, are having more say. So, for example, uh, you had a, what they call a DBO, a design-build-operate, uh, for the Lead Road Waterworks, where a private company um, um, uh, put in place the whole project uh, and ran it for a period of a year, year and a half. Uh, at the end of the year, year and a half, my understanding, I'm waiting official confirmation of this, but my strong understanding is that it was to go back to being run by the council, but instead uh, a, a private operator, perhaps a different private operator in this case, uh, is now uh, managing, uh, if Irish Water want to clarify that position. I'd be interested in, in, okay, in getting just, the clarification. Okay, but just okay, but just just right. Let's just go back to the to, to the to the water because Ishke, Irish Water Ishkeyan are insisting that it does impose a, a health risk. Yes. Ishka Aaron are advising people don't drink the discoloured water and to run the tap for several minutes to see if it runs clear. And they say in their advice, if it fails to run clear after several minutes, then they're asking people to contact them on you know their free phone one eight hundred two seven eight two seven eight. Do you know have many households 
contacted Ishka Aaron to say, look, we're letting it run and it's still not clearing. Yeah, um, uh, I know that uh, a very large number of households have contacted Ishka Aaron. Um, I know uh, that that would have peaked in the kind of August, September period of 2022. I did a freedom of information request and got the stats back on this. Um, I know that Ishka Aaron would have said that the number of complaints went sharply down uh, after that. Uh, I think that's partly because there was a lot of flushing going on. I also think it's because people gave up. People said, <laughs> I'm just fed up uh, of uh, contacting Ishka Aaron. And um, uh, if flushing is done, we're back in the same problem a week later. Okay. Um, and people just said, I'm going for the bottled water from here. Um, Ishka Aaron said, look, we'll get it sorted out in 2023. That was the assurance that was being given. And here we are um, in 2024. Now, the reason I was asking was, you know, we'll often have people contact us here on the programme. And when we'll say to them, did you contact whatever the relevant body was? A lot of people don't bother. They'll complain, but they don't bother complaining to the actual source. But the evidence is there that Ishka Aaron are very aware that there is a problem in parts of Cork City with this discoloration um, and they just, they just need to do something about it. What about, a couple of people are asking, what about the Environmental Protection Agency, the EPA? Have they become involved? I think purely just to, just to make people feel very, very convinced that this isn't a health risk. I mean, people are just worried about the health side of it. Have the EPA been involved? Uh, Ishka Aaron have... Uh, publicly stated that the the EPA have been involved by them all along the line and um, they give emphasis to that point when assurances are given to people uh, in terms of the health and safety issues. Uh, but um, um, the water is clearly not safe when it's um, heavily discoloured um, and Ishka Aaron tacitly admit that by saying don't drink it until the water has has, has run, run clear. clear. Yeah. Um and um um there are people and there are areas uh, where the water has been flushed and the problem emerges the week after or the week after that uh, or where it's just not working. Um and people are not going to take any risk whatsoever even if it's you know, very, very much on the low side when it comes to their kids. Well, I know we, um, we had so, a mum contact us who had a newborn baby who was being bottle fed and she needed to make up bottles. And she said there was no way that she was going to make up bottles with discoloured water, which which you, you could fully understand. But can I just make the point to you that and, and you know... But we, it, 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 it's, just, it's not just the mother with the, the young baby, though. I mean, it's, for example, um, the, the uh, woman who... Um, was doing the laundry and had uh, good clothes and good bedsheets destroyed by a sudden onset of discoloration, who've said, that's after costing me an arm and a leg. I'm not going to take the chance again. I mean, it's, 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 a, it's a completely unfair situation. Is it just certain? Is it just not certain? Not just for a week or a month, but for over a year now. Okay, is it just certain areas of the city or is this widespread? I think it's widespread. I think it's across the city, but I think there is a particular concentration, without a doubt, on the north side of the city. 
Okay. All right. Now, as we've mentioned, there a lot of the city water mains simply need to be replaced. I mean, I read yesterday that between 50 and 60 percent are cast iron and and actually date back to the 1920s. So they're well over uh, 100 years old. If we were paying for our water and water charges had been introduced, isn't that the argument that there would be loads of money there to replace all of those pipes? There's loads of money in this country, Patricia. Um, and, you know, the the ordinary hard-pressed working person, PAYE person, is at the pin of their collar. But a huge amount of wealth is accumulating week on week, month on month, year on year at the top of society. Look for the, at the stats on wealth and you'll see that. And the continued refusal of the state and governments led by Fianna Fáil and Fine Gael to seriously tax wealth in this country is definitely linked to an underfunding crisis in all public services, and that includes our public water supply. There's no question. Well, I mean, the revenue figures were out yesterday and uh, yet again, year on uh, year, uh, there's money flowing into the Exchequer. Okay, Uh, so, and I go back to the point I made at the outset, you're calling on, you want Ishkaren to have a public meeting, you want them to face the people. I mean, is, is that what you're talking about? Yeah, there should be a public meeting. Ishka Aaron should face the people. But the bottom line is this, is the key point I would make, is that um, this situation started in earnest in 2022. Uh, it We were assured again and again and again that they would get on top of it in 2023. By the end of the year, the situation is worse than it was at the start of the year. And there is no way, there is no way that another year is going to go, ab- go by uh, without... Uh, them coming under tremendous pressure on this issue. People are at the end of their tether on it. Okay. All right, listen, uh, Mick, we leave it there. Thank you for that and thanks for joining us on the programme this morning. Thanks, Patricia. Uh, Good morning to you. That is uh, Deputy Mick Barry of the Socialist Party, 0818 103 103. And actually, I meant to, we were notified of this at the start of the programme today. Uh, We were hearing about the death of uh, independent councillor Con O'Leary. Con had been a councillor in Cork City for many, many uh, years. John O'Donovan was on to say, sad to hear about the death of former councillor Con O'Leary. He was a maverick, says John, but he cared for the people and not the management of the Cork. City Council in his time as a councillor. Unfortunately, according to John, we don't have public reps like Councillor Khan O'Leary anymore. May Khan uh, rest in peace and condolences to his family. Ours to Protect, brought to you by C103, the IBI, and funded by the Commission Naman with the television licence fee. Check out ours to protect.ie for more info. This week on Ours to Protect, we look at the issue of packaging waste at Christmas time and what consumers can do to manage it after the festive season. Christmas is one of the biggest occasions across the globe for packaging waste, and Ireland is no exception. This year, Repack expect over 100,000 tonnes of packaging waste to be generated over the Christmas period, a 4% increase on last year. Laura Sherry of Repack spoke to us and explained why. Our research shows that Irish people plan to spend €375 on gifts this year around Christmas. So that in itself demonstrates that there's additional packaging. €375 in a short space of time by all the people of Ireland will naturally increase packaging. And then gifts as well. Everyone's going to be giving gifts to their loved ones, family, friends, children. There's a lot of packaging that surrounds children's presents. I have two of my own and I could see the additional packaging come into the house. And then you have food. Everyone's eating and shopping, buying bringing lots of food we're all celebrating Christmas together and eating 
and having enjoying the Christmas holiday. So that naturally increases packaging as well. So we expected to generate 100 tonnes of packaging waste this Christmas. What we're trying to encourage people to do is to recycle their packaging as much as they can. I think the vast majority of people, 95% from our research shows that they know what items are to be recycled and they, they know that they can have a second life so that if they do recycle them, they will turn into a, a different product, a different material, helping us live in a circular economy. The Irish public are conscientious about recycling and sustainability in the environment. While packaging waste is something on the increase every year, the efforts to combat it are as well. Nearly half of Irish people consider sustainability when purchasing Christmas presents and three quarters of people plan to reuse last year's decorations. Waste generation seems to be on the increase, but we're working hard to try and work with our members to reduce packaging as much as possible, prevent packaging where possible as well. So we have an initiative, especially under plastic, plastic pledge, and then we have a Prevent and Save initiative where we work with our members to try and help them reduce their packaging as much as we can. So it's a continuous effort and we're working with businesses to help improve them. A major goal is a move away from a linear economy, one focused on consuming and discarding, and towards a circular economy, focused on reusing and recycling. Ireland currently recycles 28% of all plastics, but this needs to be increased to 50% by 2025 to meet EU targets. It's now well recognised that we can't live in a linear economy. So a linear economy is where we take, make and dispose of materials and natural resources. So we need to move to a circular economy to help the environment to be more sustainable. And a circular economy is essentially where we keep our materials and resources in use as much as possible. So on a daily basis, when you have packaging in your household or in the workplace or in school or any businesses, if you recycle correctly, clean, dry and loose, ensure that the waste is segregated, that will help you live in a circular economy. That will help all of us live in a circular economy. That's the first step that everyone can do every day because essentially we are handling packaging every day. It's a part of our lives. While it may seem like a daunting task, Laura says that there is a lot people can do to mitigate their waste going forward. In fact, Irish people are well on their way. 92% of those surveyed by Repack say that they make a conscious effort to recycle packaging items correctly. I would say they try and keep it local as much as they can. You know, shop local. You can see the amount of online shopping since COVID. It's really increased. A lot of that might come from distant sellers. Distant sellers would be companies that mightn't necessarily be, be contributing a financial contribution towards the recycling in Ireland, such as the WePack members will be. We have 3,500 members and they all pay towards the recycling, supporting the recycling in Ireland. So try and keep it local as much as you can. Shop with WePack members. That will definitely reduce the big packages that come into your house. We all know online shopping can produce a huge amount of packaging. It might be a small item in, in a huge box. So keep it local as much as you, as you can and support your local economy. If you would like to know more about how you can sustainably dispose of Christmas packaging waste or learn about the work that Repack does, check the show notes of this episode. Ours to Protect, brought to you by C103, the IBI, and funded by the Commission Naman with the television license fee. Check out ours to protect.ie for more info. The death of the. Well, he was a political advisor, wasn't he? Uh, Derek uh, Draper, and of course, he would be married uh, to the TV presenter Kate uh, Garraway, and he sadly has passed away. He was after suffering long lasting symptoms from uh, coronavirus, and it was Kate put it up on her, uh, put a post up on Instagram to say, I'm sad to have to tell you that my darling husband, Derek, has passed away. As some of you may have known, he was critically ill following a cardiac arrest in early December. 
which because of the damage inflicted by COVID in March of 2020 led to further complications. Derek was surrounded by his family in his final days. And Kate says, I was by his side holding his hand throughout the last long hours and when he passed. God help her. I have so much more to say, she said, and of course I will do in due course. But for now, she just wants to thank all of the medical team who fought so hard to save him and to make his final moments as comfortable and as dignified as possible. She ends her post with sending so much love and thanks to all of you who have so generously given our family so much support. Rest gently and peacefully now, Derek, my love. I was so lucky to have had you in my life. Ah, bless, bless God, helper. And um, he became, he really became sort of almost the face of how serious coronavirus uh, was because he was one of the first to get it. He got it in the early days, March of uh, 2020, and he became seriously ill once he came down with COVID and ended up, he was 13 months in hospital from when he was initially diagnosed with um, uh, COVID. And then despite being free of the virus, he unfortunately suffered long lasting damage to his organs that then required daily uh, care. And of course, uh, Kate Garraway, who was the the presenter on Good Morning Britain, she went on to make an amazing documentary called Finding Derek and it was about the family's experience uh, during the pandemic. She actually won uh, a prize at the National Television Awards in 2021 for that particular documentary, Finding Derek, because it it detailed uh, Derek's treatment and his subsequent return to the family home and the length she went to to get uh, Derek at home. But it was in last year he ended up being readmitted uh, to hospital and uh, then it was reported last summer that his condition had worsened but he he battled on, he continued to battle on but he has finally succumbed and uh, poor Kate left absolutely heartbroken and of course they have two uh, children, uh, Darcy and Billy so we think of Kate and her children and all of his many many family and friends because he really put up such a battle, the late Derek Draper. 0818103103 Okay, let's take a look at some of your thoughts and comments coming in on issues that we have been dealing with this morning on the programme. We've been talking about uh, drink drink driving because I mentioned the Gardaí issued their report for their Christmas drink driving campaign and and checkpoints where they were stopping people for for speeding and mobile phone uh, use but it was just unreal uh, to see that in that one month of that uh, campaign uh, something like 880 people were um, found to be either having alcohol or drugs in their system. Neve says when she was at home with the family over Christmas she thought it was interesting what she observed around uh, drink. She noticed when either visiting a home or out in a bar the amount of younger people she felt who weren't drinking compared to older people she thinks there's a huge shift and a generational change when it comes to uh, drinking. Plus she said she also noticed an increase in the number of people drinking alcohol free drinks. She was out shopping with her mum a few days before Christmas and she said her mum even said let's buy some zero beer and stout. She said that would never have happened a number of years ago. So she thinks people's drinking habits have changed and changed for the better if people are very conscious and aware of not drinking and driving. And Damien in White Church this was on the on the over a thousand people were uh, convicted were fined for not wearing their seatbelt and I found that one really hard to understand. He says 
because he's noticed a lot of his elderly relatives don't want to wear seat belts, more so when they're passengers in a car. He said over Christmas he was collecting people, maybe, to, you know, dropping people door to door from one house to the other or bringing them to mass or whatever. And he said the number of older relatives who sat into Damien's car and didn't put on their seat belt. Now, he said he would immediately in a light-hearted way say buckle up please but he said he could see with some of the older relatives they were reluctant uh, to do it and he said it's hard sometimes Damien is only in his 20s he finds it hard sometimes to force an older person to wear a seatbelt he said his older brother is excellent he told some of his el- the elderly relatives that if they didn't buckle up they could get out of the car and his older brother said he wouldn't start the car until they had uh, buckled up it's like the ad on TV we all need to advise people to put on their seatbelts I thought we were gone from that. I really, really thought we were gone from that. Anyway, back to NCT. Tom, listening to us in the city centre, said that the Cavan councillor, Shane P. O'Dwyer, is making a lot of sense this morning on your programme. And I think the number of cars that are on our roads with no spare wheel. Where are the people in the RSA that have allowed that. Tom says if he was in charge, he would make it uh, statutory that every car should have a spare wheel. So many people get stranded as a result. And then if they have to call somebody out to help them, there's a call out to charge. I actually don't have a spare car in my car, my current car that I'm driving. I think the one before didn't have a a spare tire either. Now touch wood, I haven't been uh, caught out. But yes, I do often think about that. What if I got a burst tire, which happened to me in a previous car many years ago. I was coming into Mitchellstown and I hit what was uh, a manhole cover and literally burst uh, the tire. Now luckily, back in those days, my car had a a spare wheel. But I don't have a spare wheel in in my current car. And I'm I'm assuming, is that common for a lot of people not to have a spare? 0818103. 3103. And a good news story on NCTs. Anna said, Patricia, I've just logged on to the NCT to book an appointment for my car. My car is due for renewal on the 5th of February. Been so busy all along. I knew I probably left it a bit late. The next available date given to me was Wednesday, the 24th of January. By the way, that didn't suit. So I got a second available date, which was the following day, Thursday, the 25th of January. So just to say, thankfully, no problem at all for me in getting an appointment date and I have to say there wasn't a problem last year either. Happy New Year to you John Paul and all of the team I don't think you truly realise the wonderful impact you have on your huge audience day in day out. Uh, thank you Anna, I didn't realise that was at the end. I normally drop those kind of compliments but thank you thank you, that's very 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 kind of you and good to know that you got your NCT appointment fingers crossed now that you will pass with flying colours. Javon in Mallow was listening to an earlier comment that I gave out from Meg who had contacted us because of the gates in St. Cupnitz graveyard in Mallow. They're meant to be open from between half eight and four but she's noticed and in the run up to Christmas in particular noticed that on some days when they got to the graveyard the gates had been locked since uh, two o'clock and she had her elderly grandmother with her uh, who had to be left in the car because she wasn't mobile enough to walk the full length of the graveyard to get to the graves of her loved ones. Well, Siobhan was listening to those uh, comments and she says, I must say the caretaker does a fantastic job. The cemetery is in great condition and I 100% would back that up, uh, Siobhan. Uh, It is an immaculately kept uh, cemetery. Anyway, Siobhan says, the pedestrian gate is always open and I feel some people that use the vehicular access uh, are well able to walk into the graveyard but they're simply too lazy and just want to to complain. What do they expect? It can't be open all of the time. I visit this graveyard early 
in the morning. I normally go before going into work. Sometimes it can be 6am in the morning. But I walk in. You can't expect a graveyard gate for cars to be open all the time. And indeed you can't, Siobhan. But I think you're being a little bit unfair to Meg. Meg was raising the issue. Meg doesn't have an issue with walking into the graveyard herself. But as she pointed out, it was her elderly grandmother that she was trying to bring in who wanted to visit. She had flowers to put in her loved one's grave before Christmas and she had to leave her in the car and she said on that day it was in the run up to Christmas and Christmas is a time where we do remember our past loved ones and there's you know an increase in visitors to the graveyard and she said on the day that she was there she said her granny wasn't the only disappointed people because there was other people sitting in cars uh, as well and it clearly states on the gate that it's open until four o'clock but she said the gate was closed before uh, before two and you never knew what day it was going to be closed early or not and when we got on to Cork County Council they told us that the gates except for Monday to Friday except for public holidays, the gates are open from 8.30 to 4pm which is in line with the working hours of the cemetery caretaker who as we say is doing a wonderful job Uh, but they don't explain why on some of the days it was closed and I know I've asked Sean Paul to get back on again to explain that that didn't answer the query that came in from Meg. So Siobhan, why I accept the point you're making that some people probably are just lazy and drive in. That wasn't the case with uh, Meg and that wasn't the reason for her contacting us. It was because her granny was uh, very disappointed because she couldn't get in to uh, see the loved one's graves and wanted to put flowers on them. 0818-103-103. Hi Patricia, there is a recruitment freeze in the HSE and it's been there since November of last year but there seems to be no shortage of money for refugees in the building of modular homes. The government seemed to be prioritising refugees over the health of our own people. They will pay the price at the local and European elections says uh, John. Well the government will say they're trying to spread the love and that they're not prioritising one over the other. But seeing as you've mentioned um, refugees and asylum seekers, yet again, there is another report in that the Guardian investigation, this time it's a former school in Tipperary. It was set ablaze and this was after uh, possible rumours that this derelict building was to be repurposed to accommodate asylum uh, seekers. The Guardian said that they are aware of disinformation and misinformation about the proposed use of the derelict building. The Department of Integration said it had never considered or even examined this property to use as an accommodation for international protection applicants. But what happened? Comments went up on social uh, media mistakenly identifying the building as being earmarked for refugee accommodation. And because of that, fire crews in Feathered spent several hours tackling the blaze. It broke out at about 20 past nine on Wednesday night. It was the old primary school in Feathered. Three units from Cashel and Clamel had to battle the blaze until the small hours of yesterday morning and see when the overnight guard was still at, at the scene. What a waste of resources as well. Now, thankfully, nobody was injured, but significant damage has been called to the has been caused to the building. The finance minister Michael McGrath defended migration to the country. Uh, he was at, this was at a press conference where he was revealing the overall budget surplus last year. It was just under eight billion euros. So the government and the exchequer awash with money and that's largely uh, is due to booming tax receipts and he said the cost of living crisis will progressively ease uh, this uh, year and he's, but he said the housing situation he's also hoping that that's going to improve and while he acknowledged that there is
is an ongoing accommodation shortage. He went on to defend immigration and he said a lot of people are coming to Ireland seeking an employment permit and a visa to come here and they come usually because of the opportunity that there is in Ireland. The Public Expenditure Minister Pascal Donoghue also made the case for the benefits that migration has brought to this country. He said it's because of migration that many different parts of our hospitals and our health service are able to perform the way they are at the moment. He said migration also plays an important role in the high levels of employment that we have in the economy and in the growth that's underpinning our tax uh, revenues. And of course, in the last two weeks, we've seen a number of fires to buildings that were to be used to either house asylum seekers are to house homeless people. I mean, the one that old pub that was to be uh, an unoccupied pub in Ringsend in Dublin that was set alight on uh, Sunday. There had been huge speculation that that was going to be used to house asylum uh, seekers. And then, of course, the Dublin Regional Homeless Executive had to come out uh, and say that they, before that fire happened, they had informed local politicians that the building was to be used for emergency accommodation for homeless families. But it did seem that not all the local councillors had been informed. But I thought it was interesting interesting that Pascal Donoghue said, because obviously this all goes back to a lot of people saying that the communication is bad and better communication and briefing is needed. But Pascal Donoghue says, when he was talking about the fire in Ringsend, which is in his own constituency, he said, I don't believe that that would have made a blind bit of difference because he said the people who torched a building aren't people who want communication. They're people who just spread hatred. Now, the government has established a dedicated system to drive engagement with local politicians and communities and a community engagement team has been set up. That's between the Department of Integration and the Department of the Taoiseach. And it seems in situations where contracts are signed with hotels or other housing providers are its confirmed that immigrants will be moved into certain locations, then a briefing document will be prepared. The memo will provide details of where the location is, who will be using it and the legal basis of housing people there. That document then will go to all of the local TDs, the local senators and the local councillors and as well as a designated point of contact in state services. And they say in most situations, a few weeks notice are to be given before migrants uh, move uh, in. But they are the Equality Minister, Rodrigo Gorman. He's now saying, look, the new normal is going to see about 15,000 asylum seekers coming to Ireland uh, every year. So housing asylum seekers is going to be an ongoing problem and this notion of burning out uh, buildings just uh, is is not the answer. And I think the one in Dublin was utterly shameful, particularly when you think of the number of homeless families in Dublin who are desperately in need of accommodation. 0818103103. John Paul, taking your calls, you can text our WhatsApp to 0862. 103 103. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council, where communities and businesses all across the county can get the support they need at corkcoco.ie. Now, for my panto is on this weekend and it's Woody at the OK Corral. It runs at the Palace Theatre in Formoy and tickets are available from GR8. Events are from the Palace Theatre. Social dancing is on in the Marion Hall in Ballinhasic uh, tonight. Music is by 
by Ger Healy. That is the singing Jarvie. Dancing is from 9pm to 12 midnight. Admission 10 euro, which does include teas. Bingo is on in Mallow GA Complex tonight. The jackpot 4,200 euro in 48 calls and the lucky number 520 euro. And uh, just to remind you that the Canturk Person of the Year Gala Night due to be held tonight in the Adelquin Hall has been postponed to a future date and the Canturk and District Council are apologising for the late notice and the inconvenience caused to uh, everyone. The Glen Theatre Drama Group are presenting Tearing and Dragging. Now it's a two-act comedy by Hank Regan. It's on in the Glen Theatre and Bantier tomorrow, Saturday and again on Sunday, 8 o'clock each night with bookings 029-56239. And the Ballyhay Community Council are holding a tractor run next uh, Sunday, leaving the Corbett Court at 11.45. All are welcome. Proceeds are in aid of the wonderful Marymount Hospice in Cork, Milford Hospice in Limerick and the Irish Haemophilia Society. And the first ploughing match of 2024 for Cork West Ploughing will be held next Sunday in Tullock in Coachford by kind permission of the Lane family. All the usual classes commencing at 11am sharp with, with the results that night in Cool Car House at around 9pm. A great night out for all the family. Cork Today on C103. With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. Somebody's just pointed out that no new car has come with the spare wheel since at least 2013. It was an EU law or an EU policy in relation to space and weight reduction. Okay, thank you for that. I was unaware. I just know that the last my last two cars didn't have a spare wheel. And somebody says, Patricia, have you noticed the people contacting your programme today all seem to be very no, no, nosy. They're watching other people, what they're drinking and what they're not drinking and what they're doing and what they're not doing. They should just get on with their own life. Then I heard this morning somebody driving and they saw another person driving while on their mobile phone. This person should be watching the road and not watching how other people are driving. 0818 Now earlier in the week we discussed New Year goals when we were chatting with our councillor Joe Heffernan on the programme. So what are people aiming to take on, give up or take up in 2024. We sent our reporter Stephen Fox out onto the streets of Mallow to find out. Coming into the new year, is there anything that you're going to give up? Is there anything that you're going to start doing? Enjoying life and going traveling. Where are you planning to go? All over Ireland. Starting off all over Ireland and take it from there. Actually, yeah, I'm going back to the gym. Yeah, so that's it. Just mental health. I think it's very important this year that everybody takes care of themselves first. And yeah, that's all. I remember in school I was told that giving things up aren't good. But if you go to Mass every day, that's very good. But I I got kind of fed up with the Catholic Church, so I'm trying to rediscover my spirituality now. I'm just currently studying at Mallow College. Maybe if I'm lucky, I'll find a job in the sphere in which I'm studying. On. I'm studying for business management. Hmm. This sphere is new for me, so something like that. What's your name? Paulina. Paulina. Have you got anything that you'd like to start doing this year or things that you're going to give up? Football. Is there a club in Mallow that you're going to play for? Yeah. What are they called? Mallow Club, I think. I forgot to name. It's okay. He's got to be nice to everybody. What about yourself? I'm giving sweets up. Taking up any hobbies or doing anything? Be active more. Not giving up anything, taking up probably being a little bit more active as a family. What kind of things are you planning to get up to? We do a lot of running and we're going to try and get our three kids a little bit more involved in running. What about yourself, anything? Build a Lego city. Have you got any sets to start off with? Yeah, I got base plates in Santa. 
I'm going to go to Devon in Cornwall. We have a son there, mm. and I'm going to go for about a month in the summer. I'll take myself as well. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I want to spend more time with my son. Okay. Uh, hopefully. So. How, how old is he? He's two years. What kind of things are you planning to do? Any activities? Or? With himself, well, some learning activities. We're trying to, to teach him our native language as well as English. So, What's your native language? My native la- yeah. language is Spanish. We're from Chile. My New Year's resolution is to try and attempt to make myself healthier. I'm in my 60s now, so I, I do incline to be a little bit lazy, so I want to try and force myself to become a little bit more active. It's easy to take the soft way out of things, and that's more changed my mindset as much as anything else. So that's for me as my own New Year's resolution on a personal basis. Have you anything, any activities in particular you want to take up, any hobbies or sports? I am involved in a sport. I do some refereeing in the sport, but I've taken a more of a backseat role this year. As you know, referees are not flavour of the month a lot of the times, but notwithstanding that fact, I have drifted away from it because the abuse did become a little bit too much. But I do miss it, I must admit, I do miss it. And it also helped me personally in my own fitness regime. So I want to try and get back into that a little bit more. Yeah, I'll be starting next week, please, Guy. Because the first week is the worst week, isn't it? Because you're trying to get back to normal. So next week. What are you planning to do? Oh my God almighty, I'm hoping for a new me, new you, and cut back and more exercise more activity. Anything in particular you're thinking of exercise-wise? Oh, well, I suppose really getting back to what we used to do before lockdown because it was a kind of a slowdown for a good while actually and getting out and meeting new people as well. Do you know, especially for a lot more people like myself with lockdown and everything like, do you know, it helped people back an awful lot. People were inclined to go out, so move on. And just thinking of people like who are a lot worse than what we are. Wish everybody the best of luck and happiness in the new year. Well done. Well done. That's real positivity from that woman getting back out, out into the ward. Really sad to hear that referee, wasn't it, who really enjoyed his work. And we've spoken with referees uh, in the past on the programme. The abuse they get is just, it's truly, uh, truly shocking. 0818 uh, John is on the line from Cantor. Good afternoon, John. Good afternoon, Patricia and your listeners. And Happy New Year too. Yeah. Now you've contacted us. I've been talking about the the guard, the corner, the Christmas road safety campaign, the number of people they caught for speeding and offences for use of mobile phone and not wearing their seatbelt, etc. And you think the number one road safety issue is enforcement? Yeah, enforcement to me equals boundaries. And so I made an analogy there to John Paul. Boundaries for me in terms of the roads is a bit like a child, let's say, if you're rearing a child or anyone rearing a child, we have boundaries. We set them. So comparing to the, we'll say the animal, if the boundaries are not protected, I feel the boundaries are a bit like sheep. They're, they're breaking out all over the place. And everybody knows it. I drive, drive, travel um, a lot of Munster, and every not everybody, but a lot of people know that you can go mostly any speed you want, except for the places that you know where you will get caught. So I'm saying, i.e. boundaries for me means that if you're driving a country road as as regards uh, as to a main road, that you could get caught. That would be the ideal situation. That's so the, the incentive, the incentive of getting caught 
will force people to slow down, is what you're saying. If you are yeah. travelling on a road where it is likely that there might either be a guard at checkpoint or there's yeah. going to be a camera in place, yeah. people do slow down. That's, 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 that's is the only way, really, it'll, it'll join up all. Because when you make rules and regulations like they are doing now, it's very reactive, right? Reducing into a lot of the cities, 30 kilometres, most vehicles are not geared for that. They'll, they'll be cutting out all over the place. People will be running into each other. It's not, it doesn't make sense. You've effectively reduced the speed limit by 40%. While that sounds ideal and lovely, there is no disincentive in the main to catch people that are breaking the law, i.e. we're back to boundaries enforcement. Well, in that 34-day period of the Christmas Road Safety Campaign from the 1st of December up to yesterday, 15,542 speeding offences. So, so a, lot, would, a lot of people thought say, they'd get away with it. I would say that that's just not being smart now, but that's incredibly small. Because if, if you had proper enforcement, that would rise dramatically. Mm. For example, we have a national slow down speed day yeah. coming up for Christmas. Yeah. So like that should be happening every day. And for example um, a friend that lives in Switzerland they were going up a motorway onto a ramp and uh, they were going over that speed limit and the police pulled them in and there was an automatic fine of 2,200 they paid on the spot. Ooh. Now if they couldn't pay that the car would be impounded there and then, and they had to produce their driving licence on the spot at which this person was able to. So the, the end result was this person said, I won't get caught again because I can't afford to do it again. Yeah, yeah, so that's a great disincentive. The, the, the boundaries, the enforcement, a bit like the sheep way out the gap. They're going out everywhere. Any village, town, I'm in Kentuck and mostly you don't see a guard. You could drive any speed. Yeah, but you see, doesn't doesn't all of this go back to that we don't have enough Gardaí? I mean, that's what it goes back to. The Gardaí can only, you know, can only man checkpoints if there's enough Gardaí available to man checkpoints. But of course, they're manning checkpoints, then they're not solving crimes. They're not, you know, doing the other jobs that they need to do. Are are fixed cameras, what if we had more fixed cameras around the place? Would Would that work? Yeah, and I think that's that's part of the plan that they're going to do that kind of average speeds, and that's a good idea. But we'll say, like in terms of Gardaí, as far as my my understanding is that the number of Gardaí's numbers relative to to retirements, as to being people being employed in the Gardaí, those numbers are dropping. Mm. And also, you have the problem of um, when you have an increasing population. You must account for that as well in all aspects of, of Garda life, be it on the roads or mining the population. Yeah, so, and the, but then, but, but, but all of us that, uh, that drive, isn't there a kind of a bit of a personal responsibility? We all need to kind of cop on a little bit. You know, none of us should be speeding. Certainly none of us should be driving if we've any alcohol or drugs in us. We should all be wearing our seatbelts. I mean, I'm thinking of Eleanor, who contacted us earlier about her husband 30 years ago, a hit and run. You know, a young man, you know, killed, leaving her, 
you know, 30 years on, you could still hear she was, you could still hear the sorrow uh, in her voice. That's the reality of people driving erratically. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And that's uh, 100%. But if you analyse every situation, it really comes back to enforcement, i.e. the boundaries. Again, these wouldn't happen. They're not supposed to happen if people were behaving. And the only way you have... So the only way you're going to get people to obey, I, you, anyone that drives any vehicle, is enforcement. Yeah. Is the, the, only, the only way that currently, if you want to fund this, you've got to do it like Switzerland have done. They, they penalise people on the spot and you build a police force that way. I, you fund it that way. Okay. All right. And, Listen, good. And one other, one other final point. Okay. I drive for a living. Yeah. If I, if I was without my vehicle for one month, my God, that would put manners on me. I wouldn't do it again. <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's true. All right. All listen, right. look after okay. yourself, John. Thank you for right. that. Yes, that thank is you. John in uh, Okay, A very quick break. And we're back talking movies with Mark Malone. Court today on C103. With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. For motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance. CMIG.ie. Busy programme today. We're later than normal going to Mark Malone. Sorry for that, Mark. Uh, <laughs> and I have so much to talk about. Happy New Year to you. Okay, <laughs> now I know there's uh, there's two movies, but let's let's focus on the one because I've seen it as well. Salt, Saltburn. You have seen it? I did, yeah. Ah. I watched it over Christmas. So will I ask you straight away? I loved it. Yeah, I loved it very much oh, indeed as God, well. I loved it. And I tell you, I, I knew very little about the storyline, mm-hmm. which uh, which I, I decided was the best way to, to go into it. And Barry Keoghan, the the Irish actor, Barry Keoghan. Yeah, I think it's Keoghan. I just love him. I fell in love with him in The Banshees of Inishirin. I just think he has such, such a talented actor. He really is. I felt kind of, um, yeah, the thing is, is that watching it, though, I thought his performance was interesting, you know what I mean? Because it's, uh, it's very restrained and... And um, until certain moments. And um, it, when he's good, he's absolutely terrific. But there are times when I wanted more from him. Okay. Uh, but it, uh, the whole time when you're watching him, but because he's underplaying it the whole time and very, very well, just little nods and winks, uh, you're kind of thinking, you're constantly questioning yourself. What's going on here? What's I he know. thinking of? What's he trying to do? What's he trying to achieve throughout this whole film? And that's, I think, uh, where the director, I think, got it right when, with, with him. Um, but um, it was interesting you should say that you went into the film not knowing anything about it. I was just talking to Nick there. And, uh, you know, there were three moments in this film that have become highly controversial and he was kind of saying well you know do you, do you tell people about this do you talk about this and I was like well I'm not going to go into detail about it but there are certainly moments in this film which will not be for everybody as you well know I mean they're yeah, actually I quite ha- shocking yeah, I, um, I know a father and a daughter who went to, a teenage daughter who <sighs> went to it uh, well, an older teenage daughter mm-hmm. went to it and she cringed on some of the I can imagine going, yeah because oh. you know I've uh, for forever I've referenced me going to the cinema with my daughter you know yeah. what I mean who's very open minded and is very liberal but uh, she saw this film first and she and uh, she said well I'm glad I didn't go with you anyway <laughs> you know what I mean um, so I this is available on Amazon streaming right now but I saw it in the cinema so I'm glad I did because it, it is so beautiful to look at I mean the cinematography the cinematography in this film is by uh, Linus Sangram and uh, it is absolutely beautiful it's a beautiful looking film whatever about the controversies uh, w- about the film so it's about it's, young, it's smacked to me of Brideshead Revisited it's kind of Brideshead Revisited yeah. um, 
directed by Ken Russell, maybe. Do you know what I mean? But it's not directed yeah. by Ken Russell. It's directed by a very talented uh, woman by the name of Emerald Fennell, who made Promising Young Woman um, with uh, Carrie Mulligan, which I liked very, very much indeed as well. But I want, did wonder, was she very much kind of, uh, you know, did she think about uh, Ken Russell and the films of Ken Russell? Because, you know, it reminded me of watching The Devils kind of 30 years ago and just being completely shocked by what I was looking at. And it's the same here. Now, some people have criticised the film because they said, well, you know, it's it's depraved, it's distasteful, it's disgusting, and um, and that's all it is. Well, that's not true. There's much more happening no. than that. It's a very, very complicated film, which initially you think that uh, they're going to just kind of criticise the English kind of class system, but it's not. It's not. That's not the case at all. Um, it's There's more to it than that, you know what I mean? And, um, you know, if you are easily grossed out and offended, maybe this film isn't for you. It is a 16 cert, which kind of surprised me, because this film, I think, 10 years ago would have had an 18 cert. 30 years ago, this would not have been seen in Ireland at all. So keep that in mind, uh, you know, if you are, you know, easily uh, offended. It's about a young man, um, Barry Kilgan, play, uh, who plays this character called Oliver. He comes from a broken, in inverted commas, um, uh, family. And uh, he's a working class boy from uh, Liverpool. And he gets a scholarship to Oxford. There he meets very upper class, very rich uh, young people. There he meets uh, Jacob Elordi, who he kind of targets to try and make himself popular. Uh, Jacob then invites him to spend the, uh, the summer uh, with his incredibly well-off family in the countryside and the film is about that summer and basically what they get up to and what they get up to is very very interesting at times and quite shocking at times so bear that in mind I think the film is um, I don't think it's perfect I think there are problems I think sometimes I think it's been kind of referenced as a comedy I think sometimes the comedy moments especially when it comes to kind of Richard E. Grant and Rosamund Pike who are both very good but I think yeah. it's a bit too broad for the film at yeah, times yeah. and it's a bit silly at times as well because when he says he's from Liverpool the question is asked and where is Liverpool yeah. oh it's by the sea I think up north and you're like oh come on really so there are times when I've kind of thought no that's not really really quite working but when it does work and when it is I particularly loved the fact that it was so shocking because I come here every Friday and I talk about incredibly bland movies that I have nothing to talk about and I do think sometimes when I get to Thursday I think what am I going to talk about this movie what am I going to say to Patricia there's so much to say here but I don't want to give too much away it's for adults keep that in mind it's for broad minded people and it's a fascinating film it and is. in the end I think Barry Kilgan I think he is terrific in it uh, he's, been, he's been nominated is it, is it, he's been nominated for this isn't it he's been nominated for quite a number of things yeah, I think, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, he's a great career ahead of me really does okay Market Saltburn out of 10 I'll give it 8 and 8 you give out it? of 10 oh I absolutely will give it 8 out of 10 and, and my only regret is I watched it on the big TV at home and as I was watching it I said should have gone to the cinema to see this the, the, really, the, the yeah, oohs and ahs in the cinema though but, but all oh, you, yeah. you go you just this yeah. kind of intake of breath from Ooh. people where they go <gasps> You know what I mean? And that was quite fascinating. And I haven't seen or heard that in the film for quite some time. Okay. And your second movie is The Family Plan. And this is available on Apple TV Plus, which I do have. I don't okay, know how much I, longer I'm going to have it, because, yeah. but I do have it. And so I'm, so not, this might not be available to, to everybody. I presume yeah. at some stage it will become available to all streaming services. It's Mark Wahlberg playing. Well, Mark Wahlberg, uh, in an action movie, <laughs> an action movie that has been written by AI. It is so cliché. There's just cliché after cliché after cliché. The first hour is actually really, really good fun. And basically, it's the old trope. But once again, it's suburban man with a secret. Guess what he is um, secretly, Patricia? 
What is he, an assassin or something? He's an assassin. But, but of course, his family don't know about it. And we've seen that before, of course. We've seen that in True Lies. We saw it in a film called Target some years back with Gene Hackman and uh, Nobody recently with Bob uh, Odenkirk. So it's that old trope again. So, But for the first hour, it's actually really, really quite good fun where he tries to hide that secret uh, as the, the bad guys are coming for him. Um, and, and he tries to keep that away from his family. Some of the sequences don't work. For example, he's in a car at one stage. They're all asleep in the car and he gets attacked by three men on motorcycles. The car is going all over the road. It's doing some wheelies and, no and it's doing all, and nobody wakes up. So that's kind of silly. But there is a fight scene, for example, with Mark Wahlberg with his baby in his hands. We've seen that before so many times. We've seen it. Um, uh, you know, Cho Young Fat did it in Hard Boiled. Jason Statham did it in Faith and the Furious. And that's the problem with the film. We've seen all of this before. But the first hour is actually quite good fun. There's a couple of really kind of funny moments, especially when he throws uh, all of their electrical devices out of the car into the river and he's got to go by a road map. <laughs> and he comes to the shop and the guy goes but don't you have a phone he goes like, I need an old fashioned road map and he takes it out of the cupboard and he blows dust off it and he adds it to him so there's some nice moments there but the, sec- the problem is the second half of the film just turns into your cliched generic action movie that we've seen before so it becomes boring and yeah well it's never boring but you've seen it all before but uh, look I'd still recommend it there's not much on Apple Plus which is one of the reasons why I watched it and I'm kind of trying to get my money's worth uh, but I'd still recommend it but look you've seen all this before okay the Family Plan Market out of 10? I'd uh, give it 6. 6 out of 10. And can I just give you a recommendation on a Netflix mm-hmm. uh, series that I came across again? Uh, I didn't know anything about it. You know, you just flick on nothing to watch. Oh, this looks interesting. This is, it has just dropped called... Um, uh, Fool Me Once. It's uh, Michelle Keegan from Coronation Street or EastEnders and actually there's the Irish actor Emmett Scanlon who was in Kin. He's in it as well. And the wonderful Joanna Lumley is uh, Oh, I've is, heard about this. In. It is wonderful. It's uh, an eight-part series and I'm telling you uh, if it will have you gripped from start to finish. It's really, really well worth the watch. And I'm just raging that I've discovered it's based on a book and I wish I'd read the book. Oh, but somewhere I'd read the book now because there's an amazing <laughs> twist in it. Anyway, that's just my recommendation. Fool me once on Netflix. Listen, Mark, have a lovely week and uh, we will talk to you again uh, next week. That is Mark Malone, our movie reviewer. Now, before we uh, go, can I just give a mention of something that we spoke spoke about earlier in the week and it's the Ballinin and Enniskeen Development Association. They're having a very special day this Sunday. It's Bida Goes Green. They're doing Christmas recycling and it's a fundraiser for the Bida Station at House. They're going to have model train display and refreshments in the Bida Hall and then for the kiddies, if you've got any small child who's got a tractor or maybe got a bicycle or a toy car that they sit in and ride. There is a special children's pedal power toy run which is happening on Sunday 2 o'clock in the afternoon at St Mary's GAA Clubhouse uh, with registration at 1.45 for the kiddies pedal power from the clubhouse and then it will leave at 2 with a pit stop in the pedo hall for refreshments I think. That sounds absolutely uh, delightful and a reminder to one and all uh, you can get your Christmas tree shredded uh, at the BIDA event next Sunday and for everybody else 
taken down your tree, please make sure that you do recycle your Christmas trees responsibly. All of the civic community sites across the county right throughout this, the month of January, are accepting your Christmas car, Christmas trees free of uh, charge. So you can just, just check out when your local civic community site is opened and bring along your Christmas tree. That's where I leave you for today and indeed for this week. First week has flown by. Thanks to John Paul McNamara for producing. Nick Richards is with you for the afternoon and we will be back with you on Monday morning at 10 o'clock. And then I'm Patricia Messenger. Very good afternoon. Court today on C103. With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie.